You're listening to a Morley Radio production. Welcome everyone to Artcast Season 2, Episode 9. Just a reminder, you can listen back to Season 1, which includes the previous seven episodes on the Morley Radio website. This includes Artist Support Pledge founder Matthew Burrows, Goldie and Morley Chelsea alumni Susan Collis. The first eight episodes of season two are also available with Andy Holden, Russell Shaw Higgs, Mira Kalix, Barry Rygate, Helen Kirkham, Hannah Uzor, Peter Kennard and Jeremy Della. Artcast is a podcast presented by Matt G, artist and subject leader for fine art at the Chelsea Centre Morley College. The decision to do this podcast was originally inspired by photographs taken from the polio outbreak in the 1940s, where students were being remotely taught by radio. This podcast is a series of informal discussions with artists, designers and musicians about their work, lifestyle and how they've adapted during the current crisis that we've lived in. The aim is to disseminate material for students by limiting screen time and providing a feed of information where they're taking break from the screen. The aim is to disseminate material for students by limiting screen time and providing a feed of information for when they are taking a break from the screen. Because of last season beginning during lockdowns and then in the months followed, there'll be forms of restrictions. I was unable to invite students because of those various social distancing restrictions. For this season, I've been happy to invite students to join the discussion. For this episode, I'm delighted to welcome Inigo Farah, who is from our fashion design diploma. I'm also delighted to welcome with us Soroya Marquez, otherwise known in the world of street art as Indy184. Indy was originally born in Puerto Rico and is of Dominican descent before being raised in New York. An American street artist who has been active for two decades and is coming to us live from New York today. She predominantly focuses on feminine icons mixed with various signifiers such as hearts and bubbles, personal messages and various textures. She adopts a mixed media style incorporating collage, stencil art and creates really impressive large-scale murals that coat entire walls on the side of buildings. She owns her own streetwear brand called Queens Destroy. Queens is spelt with a K if you want to look that up. Her artwork has been featured in the video game Grand Theft Auto. I think this is going to be great for our students here at Chelsea as we have a H&D in tailoring and streetwear, but also run esports courses and games design courses. So there's some crossovers to visit here. She was the chief artistic director for Rimmel London in partnership with the Art of Beauty campaign. Her art has been featured in New York's El Museo de Barrio and Volkanen Ironworks Museum in Germany. Indy, welcome. How are you? So you're in New York. What's the weather like where you are? Right now, hey, everybody. Well, it's honestly, it's just gray and cold. <laughs> really? Yeah. Sounds like here. New York, so so it's like wintertime here. Yeah, last time I did a pod was with uh, someone in Miami and the weather looked amazing. He was in his garden. Of course, of course. <laughs> Good for him, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A major um, fear of missing out because um, our Basel just happened um, last week. So everybody, a lot of people were down there. A lot of artists were down there painting, exhibiting and stuff. So I missed out, but I did have a painting at the Museum of Graffiti. So there's some street artists getting involved with Art Basel now. Yeah, it's a big scene down there for um for the past like eight nine years which is like the last time i went down there honestly it's major for the street art and graffiti world 
as well as for the fine art world. I always ask the guests to kick off, um, what's your favorite color? Oh, what's my favorite color? Ooh, I like, actually, um, that's really hard. I would say the color of the microphone, which is like a turquoise green. It's a pretty good color. Yeah. That in is, fairness, yeah. That, yeah, actually, that's funny. So that would be my favorite color. The, the color of this Morley microphone. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, what sort of music are you listening to at the moment? Do you have anything to sort of get you into the working zone? Yeah, right now, um, my music taste is um, eclectic. It's such a mix. I listen to punk rock, the Misfits, the the Ramones. Um, I'm listening to trap, like Pop Smoke. I'm listening to Adele. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you heard the new album? Yeah. Oh, well, just that one song, Easy On Me. And I was like, all right, I want to I want to hear what the big fuss is about. And of course, you know, she played it and I cried. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, right now, um, it's just everything, everything I'm listening. My my Spotify is just all over the place. What was the the origin of your name? If you could explain that to our listeners. Yeah, so I'm an 80s baby. I grew up in the 1980s and stuff. I, and I, I'm one of four kids growing up in a single mom household. I spent a lot of time alone. So I watched a lot of TV and movies, like a little bit too much. And one of my favorite films is uh, the Steven Spielberg Indiana Jones series. And most specifically, the um, Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. The name in the movie is Indy. And I was like, oh, that's a cool name. Because I first used to tag up my real name, Soraya. And I was like, that's not really like that. I don't know. It's just too personal, I guess. And I didn't like the letters, like the way I, I was tagging those letters. So I decided to go with Indy from the film. And then one is the block, the neighborhood, the street that I grew up on in Washington Heights, so 184. What do you think of the later Indiana Jones films where they start getting aliens involved? I didn't watch those. I'm more into the classics. And, and I guess that the indie is, would you consider that your tag? Is it something you write or spray wherever you go for sort of form of? Yeah, it's my moniker. It's my tag. Um, it's who I am. I guess it's kind of like uh, my other identity. And if can we go back to the sort of start where where did your sort of first passion within the arts and and how did you originally get into graffiti writing? Yeah, so I've always been into like art since I was a little kid, but growing up in a single mom household all over New York City, um, I wasn't my resources were limited. I wasn't my mom, I guess, didn't know how to guide me in an art career. You know, she's busy surviving and stuff and taking care of us. Um, so later on, you know, um, as I was living in Washington Heights, that's uptown Manhattan, and I was going to school in the Bronx, I'd take like the, the bus, you know, and taking the subway train and stuff. And that was my museum. That was my first exposure to like art. You know, it was a mysterious form of art because, you know, graffiti is such an underground culture that I didn't know who or what. But then I went to when I was about 11 years old, I went to the New York Public Library and I happened to see the Bibles of the graffiti culture, which is spray can art and subway art by Henry Chalfant and Martha Cooper, um, spray can art. And then I started like, oh, wow. You know, I just started copying the pieces from the book and like tracing them and things like that. And then later on, 10 years later, you know, when I'm in my late teens, early twenties, I actually start meeting graffiti writers, you know, through work, 
through odd jobs, through internships. And then that's when I kind of got like, you know, it was like my portal to the graffiti world. And there was that sort of clean train movement. I think it was by the New York mayors in like the late 80s. But there's a sort of almost a battle occurring where the trains kept getting painted over and then they they kept getting painted over by the writers again what's sort of situation like now is it sort of like is there still quite a sense of ownership with the subways in the subways and stuff i'm not from the subway era i'm more from the rise of the beauty in the street like the productions in the street but um i am aware of the clean train movement of like the early mid 2000 and it's still happening you know there's a lot of international artists that just you know want to come and paint clean trains in the mecca of the graffiti culture which is new york city you know so a lot of writers still have that ambition, still have that drive and stuff. As I was painting graffiti, I wasn't able to get up um, in that department in New York City, but I did paint trains and stuff when I traveled to Europe. It was a better situation for me as I, as I, when I first started graffiti, I became a mom, you know, a mom of three. So I had to balance that out. I couldn't go out in the street and be a vandal, you know. And you originally like studied marketing, graphic communications. And I was wondering, do you think these sort of skills you gained from this background sort of assisted your output and career in as a graffiti writer? Yeah, as well. Um, as far as like branding and marketing and stuff. But um, I went to like three different community colleges and one private college. I kept avoiding majoring in art because I think it was like fears of like not being good enough or or something and I didn't know how to kind of like go about that like I get and I was like oh let me just play it uh, safe and just major in business that's where the money's at but as you find out in life you know you the money will follow just put the love in whatever it is that your passion is I learned that throughout my career and stuff instead of just focusing on like you know, the safe place and stuff, if that makes sense. I don't know. Would you say you're more like studio based or based on the streets at this sort of current moment in time? Right now I dabble in all of the, all of the different um, realms, all the different worlds, you know, I'm still in the street. I still, I do studio work. I'm a full-time working artist. I do it all. I do digital illustrations, NFTs, corporate commissions, private commissions, painting commissions, mural commissions. So I definitely in a lot of, a lot of areas and stuff. You did mention my previous streetwear brand, Queens Destroy. Um, I did that for 10 years and I learned about like streetwear and production and design and things like that. So I was Going to ask you, how has the rise of NFTs changed the way that you do your art or the way that you sort of produce and market it as well? Yeah, well, thankfully, I am, um, you know, I've been in the graffiti culture for like two decades and stuff, and I have experience with guerrilla marketing. I just apply what I know and just apply it to that department. But I actually um, created um, my NFT last year before, like, I even heard about all this buzz. You know, I'm sure it was happening, but, you know, the street art and graffiti culture world didn't really jump on it right away. So I created created it last year and they was like oh um nfts interesting i have an animated painting already voila so i just put it out there answer your question creatively the nfts that i created were are based on paintings on actual like flat paintings and stuff so i actually have to collaborate with an animator that's what i um did i ended up collaborating with 
an animator. Right now, I'm actually, it doesn't really change my creative process digitally. You know, I still create art, digital mixed media collage illustrations in Photoshop with layers and stuff, which you can animate. And on the NFTs, uh, previous guest on episode four, Barry Rygate, he's very big on NFTs at the moment, and Andy Holden as well. And one of our tutors here, Greg Rook, he, he's very much involved in curating NFT collections. And we've been talking a lot about uh, like TVs that are even coming out at the moment that are specifically for NFTs and thinking about ways they're displayed. Have you got any sort of preference as to how you yours would be displayed? Or is it a case of like people just having them and then maybe various ways of being displayed? Yeah, various ways. Yeah, I already have my. Um, I'm already like brainstorming. Uh, I can visualize like you know it being projected, not just being like in um in a screen, but just it can also be projected. Yeah, that's definitely something that I thought about even as as I was painting like canvases and stuff. I'm like, it would be cool to just do this digitally and have it framed because I did see that, you know, when I went to the Louvre, like maybe like seven, six years ago, they had animated paintings, you know, they were, they were, they, they're out there, you know, and I was, I found that to be so intriguing and stuff. In terms of like collaborations, working with other people, could you talk to us a little bit about how like, that process has been? You've worked with like people like Lionsgate, MTV, Apple Beats, and Rimmel in particular, where you were heavily involved as creative director. And also that Nike and Foot Locker collaboration, which I was just wondering how it felt drawing that swoosh. That was... Oh, yeah. That was very nerve-wracking because I love them and I love my clients, but a lot of them want the design like yesterday. So there's no time for doubt. There's definitely a lot of nervousness you know, and anxiousness because you want to make sure you you hit the mark, you know, especially when the time is so crunched, the time is uh, limited, but um, it's been great. Um, I've, I've had a lot of blessings and I've had a lot of creative freedom with these projects, you know, that I, it's like 80%, they go by what, what I present to them. So I was going to ask about like how much of the brief is specific. So it's pretty open. A lot of these companies and, and clients, they send briefs and that helps. And we collaborate, it's a collaboration. So it's a two-way street and they always give me, um, I've been lucky, you know, they gave me a lot of creative freedom. And you made, you designed some skateboards as well. I collaborated with uh, California Dusters um, and that was exciting. Those were my first official uh, printed skate decks. Like I've painted skate decks before by hand and stuff or like my friend's organization, Cuba Skate. But this was exciting because it was like my art on like a mass produced product. Do you yourself, do you skate and uh, are you sort of involved in, you know, skating culture in New York and that kind of thing? Not quite, but um, I did marry a, a skater and um, I am not a skater. I, I used to roller skate. I need four wheels to help me balance. And that's a car. I'm good in culture. But I did travel to Europe um, a lot over the past five years. And I was very much in connection and, and um, made a lot of skate friends out there in Cuba. You know, my support goes out to them. I really am into skating culture, but um, I quite like hanging them up as well. Would you say like you prefer people to actually skate on them more? Hang them? I actually like both. I have skate decks hanging that was made by a good friend out there in Cuba hanging in my house. And I do like the the used uh, distressed look of the skate deck, the art. I don't mind. I think it's beautiful. On that, do you sort of like touch up your murals at all? So if you, you say these 
large scale murals that you have or do you, do you sort of let them erode or are you happy with people like spraying over them yeah they've been eroding because i've been so busy and some of them i can't get to i, I like to 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 maintain the mural do it over or paint it over you know create something new do i have some pending murals <laughs> when you mentioned that i'm like oh no i didn't get to do it because it's already so cold here so i have to wait till the next spring oh so you've got a, quite a few lined up yeah, I've, I've got a couple of murals to redo, the new ones that I'm sure will happen next year. But yeah, I like I like my murals intact. And, and in terms of the color scheme, how do you arrange the colors? I mean, your work's incredibly colorful, I guess. Do you sort of have a specific color scheme or is it pretty wild? Yeah, I just use whatever I have. I try to get make like a staple color that can reappear in all my murals. I'm so indecisive. I, I can't decide between electric blue or like a teal. You know what I mean? So I'm not there yet. One day I'll have a like a branded color palette, if you will. One of the topics that has come up a lot, particularly with the pandemic, is resilience. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how it was emerging in the graffiti world I mean the graffiti world much like the art world maybe even more so is very male dominated and I was just wondering if you talk about that sort of process of acceptance and if you think things are maybe changing for the better or they're not or how much of this is down to I mean I guess it's different if it's not so much down to like gatekeepers of the art world in the sense of stuff on the street it's a completely different culture but then there is still still an art world element to it. Well, right now, I mean, when I first started, there weren't that many female writers uh, worldwide, but now there's there's so many. In that department, the graffiti has definitely um, evolved. But, um, you know, as I was coming up, it really kind of like didn't phase me. My, my gender wasn't like important. But then again, I did want to make, I, I had the choice to do whatever I wanted, you know, like a masculine style, feminine. And I mean that by designs, like, you know, hearts are associated with women and like stars and bright colors and things like that. So I think it actually was like important, I guess. Um, my identity, my gender, I wanted to express that through my graffiti, like my female, um, my femininity through graffiti, you know, my bubble letter and, and things like that. I have hearts in my bubble letter. So to me, I wanted to... Um, um, bring that out and celebrate that there's no wrong way to do to do what you want to do you know so to me like graffiti is very traditional and apprenticeship and you learn you know things are are learned and down but with me I, I wanted to create my own lane and just kind of like just do whatever I, I wanted to do I didn't I wasn't out there trying to be the best I was just wanting to be myself you know, whichever style I, I decided to kind of put myself out there, like kind of brand myself with in graffiti. Um, so did you sort of quite enjoy the anonymity that you could get from graffiti? Because with, you know, with sort of more traditional art on a canvas or something, if you try to promote it or sell it or something, you have to, you know, say that it's by you. But with graffiti, all you need is a, a tag and you don't even need that but so so did you quite like the fact that you could do your art anonymously at the start so in the beginning it was exciting to remain anonymous and um you know have that mystery you know who's that girl who's that person and stuff who's that new kid on the block but you know as my career took a um a different direction you know I wasn't really bombing the streets and and doing illegal things, you know, I couldn't do that. So I didn't feel the need to remain anonymous. It was like not important. 
but I do respect those that do decide to do that. I understand completely. And so have there been sort of other graffiti artists around New York and not even graffiti specifically, but New York based artists that influenced you in your work and your sort of style? Absolutely. Um, I have, you know, I didn't grow up in the same era as these guys, but they were definitely an influence in my work, uh, studying them later on, you know, such as Scene, uh, West, Serve from New York, Part, Mare, Lee, Lady Pink, Blade, Quick, uh, so many. um, And of course, my um, ex-partner, Coke, too, you know. Um, he was a big influence in my, in my graffiti, you know, he gave me lines in the beginning. So, you know, we were partners for a long time and stuff and he was a big influence in my work and all everybody, I have so many graph heroes. It's just too, too much to mention, but definitely the New York graffiti street art history from like the early 1980s through like the early 2000s and stuff. And yeah, a lot of like, I, I admire a lot of bombers and vandals too, you know, like VFR, JA, Ghost, you know, so many uh, different uh, writers, the train writers, the, the production walls, the vandals, all of that. I'm influenced. What about influences outside of the graffiti world? I I love Kusama, of course, Frida, Basquiat, of course. I'm a child of Warhol. You know, a lot of the pop artists and stuff. And um, I can't, oh man, you're really testing me here because there's so much I have in my library. Uh, too many to name. Yeah, I'm I'm influenced by so many different art artists and styles, abstract, pop art, photography, and things like that. Yeah, you do cross over a lot and I guess you've worked with a lot of different people and there's that book you feature in We Are Here, Visionaries of Colour Transforming the Art World by Jasmine Hernandez. Yeah, so how, how did it feel being part of that? Yeah, that was exciting. Um, that I feel very honoured to be part of that book and excited to be recognised from a, a different kind of planet, if you will, you know, not the contemporary kind of um, world that I that I was a part that I've been a part of before, but more, I'm more in the graffiti street art kind of planet. So I was very honored, you know, to be part of that and um, that she recognized my work. And in terms of like the paintings you do, how how do you sort of decide on the wording for the throw ups? Um, Maybe if you could just give a little bit of an explanation as to what a throw up is, because I'm sure a lot of our listeners won't know what that is. It's bubble letter. Bubble letters. Yeah. It's sort of, isn't it? Because it's sort of thrown up a wall. Exactly. But yeah, I've taken that and I've turned it into kind of like, it's like a, a trademark, uh, uh, your your brand name in a bubble form and stuff. And it's meant to be done quickly. I watched a lot of TV growing up, growing up in a single mom household. I just was surrounded by, by the female energy, the female divine. And um, I love painting these iconic women, not only because of their looks, but because of their stories and their journeys, their biographies, you know, the legacy that they left behind. And I like to celebrate that. And I also paint men too. Malcolm X, Kurt Cobain, Martin Luther King. And I'm, you know, I'm working on it, balance it out. Uh, But does that have any, you know, because you said you painted Kurt Cobain, but so have any sort of musical artists influenced your, your own style of art? 
Yeah, well, I am a marching band kid alum. I used to be in a marching band in junior high school, and my music teacher used to teach us how to play like contemporary R&B and hip hop music and stuff. So, I mean, that still resonates because I'm still painting Shade, and you know, we learn how I learn how to play a uh, smooth operator in the clarinet. So it's still in my brain and. Um, Musical influences, you know, of course, they're going to impact my work. You know, I love painting um, the, the the people that I listen to and I love their story, you know, whether tragic or not. You guys are so laid back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is the afternoon. I it think. is. Yeah. <laughs> Been up since half six. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we both, we both commute far three. From, from outside of London. Yeah, I want to talk about your comic book that you had called Indie Destroys. Uh, if you want, if you could talk about the process of working with various people for that, so like illustrators, colorists, and cover artists, and the role you played in the process. And also, is it still available? Yeah, it's actually sold out. Yeah, Indie Destroys uh, book zero, the first, um, and I don't know when the next one is coming out, but is it's gone that one's gone and i worked with um a writer a comic book illustrator the writer is carlos espada and the um, the comic book artist is rollo ledesma and um the act the logo of the front of the cover is done by serve who's one of my graffiti heroes and stuff and he's based in the bronx um, it's basically my concept my idea and i co-wrote it under my pen name kind of loosely based off of like my 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 art my life kind of the duality of things and and you mix in like human trafficking corruption and i'm just out there you know i i wanted to create like my own superhero if you will i guess you know something i've always wanted to do since i was you know i grew up watching marvel x-men cartoons on saturday so that was exciting and stuff and i premiered it at comic-con it was like 2015 or something whatever year the comic book came out of 2014 and it was fun it was a fun project it took about a year to produce and i published it on my own and and distributed it and got it in stores and and stuff and yeah it was wonderful and maybe i'll continue it you know i have to clear my plate a little do you have any work in london on the streets of london or is that something you haven't done yet i haven't been to london since like that summer with the kids, it was like 20 to, to oh, I have no concept of time since the, <laughs> yo, yeah. it is, well, it's been like a good, like maybe like seven years or something like that, or six okay. years I've been, mm-hmm. I haven't gone to London. So it's been a while. I don't have anything up in London, but I've painted, um, I forgot the train station by the two. It's like that underground, um, walkway. I forgot the station. I think it's in could be in the Soho area. Yeah, but it's been a while. London, I need to get back out there and, and do something, do some art shows and murals. And you had a show in Paris, but you, have you got, did you do much painting around Europe? Yeah, it's been a while, you know, like uh, pre-pandemic, I hadn't been out there in like, I haven't been out to Europe in maybe like four years. So I, my last show that I had there was in Belgium, in Liège. I had a solo show there. And then, um, then I went to Paris and stuff, but I haven't been back there since. 
so it's been a while. But yeah, I'm more focused on my energies like right here in New York and in North America for right now. I'm working on a solo show in February at Philosophy Arts. Uh, what, the space is called Philosophy Arts? Yeah, Philosophy Arts Gallery in February and that's in New Jersey. I'm looking forward to that. I'm releasing a screen print edition uh, with the Lisa Project and Gary Lichtenstein. Uh, my first screen print ever uh, print and this thing has over is has over 20 colors in it let me tell you a mixed media mural that i created period it was in new york city so we're going to recreate that in a screen print in a silk screen what's the edition size the edition size is 200 and it's beautiful i have so i i just visited his studio um last friday and it's he put so much love into the prints and they amazing and he's worked with some of the biggest names uh you know in 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 art in photography and i'm um, looking forward to this collaboration mm-hmm. and when did you say the release was the release is um uh sometime mid-december like in a couple of weeks i'll definitely post it on my social media just a little plug there <laughs> So you said that a a piece of your art had been featured in Grand Theft Auto 4, I think. Um, And I I was wondering, because you're, you know, you have quite a sort of strong uh, message of female empowerment and in a game series that's been known for Mm. sort of, you know, being not necessarily misogynistic, but not being, you know, not having any major female characters or being, you know, sort of majorly, uh, well, you know, not overtly feminist, I guess. How do you feel about the fact that you're, I mean, did, did they ask, did you, you know, offer up your art or what sort of was the process there? It was actually a call that I answered. The call was, we need graffiti for a video game. And they didn't say what game or this or that. You know, it was like top secret. So I'm like, all right, you need graffiti. It's gonna, you need graffiti. Here you go. It wasn't like, oh, I didn't really, it was early on in my career. So I didn't ask them any questions. I was just so to get involved. And, and it turned out to be that. And um, they only use my graffiti pieces. So it's not like they use art, uh, like like what I do now, like self-empowerment, um, you know, it's my graffiti it's just indie they just use indie pieces from the street and i've never played the game so I, i'm my kids are gamers i have three teenagers so i i need to get get up with the times but you have seen have you seen it though the... yeah, totally totally People like photos and stuff yeah i'd be driving yeah. around that yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so uh which of your of the pieces that you have done either sort of graffiti or you know anything that you've done uh, which which of your pieces is your favorite? Would you say is your like personal favorite one? Which one speaks to you the most? I think one of my favorite paintings, it has to be the one that the first NFT that I sold. I just love that painting. It's one of my favorites. And actually the original painting is still available for sale. I guess I can't let it go yet. <laughs> no pun intended, pun intended. I have various pieces and um, each of them has a part of me. I love them all. I don't know. They're like kids. You can't choose favorites. <laughs> you can. Uh <laughs> You spent your whole life in New York, have you? Like, did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you grew up in New York. In your, did you have uh, your Puerto Rican? I would really consider myself Dominican American, Puerto Rico to Dominican parents, and I came to New York about a year and a half. Would you say that despite growing up in New York, your heritage has an effect on your art and the things you know that you like to portray in your art? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, well, I'm still on the journey of like finding 
more purpose, you know, identity, and I'm still trying to connect the dots. So I'm still in the fishbowl. So it's hard for me to kind of talk about this, but definitely my, my Latin roots definitely influenced my art, you know, my, the food I eat, my language. I think I, I believe I had to learn Spanish because my mom didn't speak English, but I learned English with my stepdad. I don't know. It was kind of complicated, but definitely like color selection. I love that, that teal blue. It reminds me of my grandmother's house in VR. That's the color they painted it. So does that then mix quite well with the New York graffiti art style as well? I think so. Graffiti was, you know, I grew up in the inner city of New York City, inner neighborhoods. So it was, you know, graffiti is created by by brown and Latin kids, you know, just trying to like, you know, get their name up. You know, everything has an influence, you know, the music I listen to, everything my indie mixed media i'm i'm like beyond the graffiti you know i've built this whole kind of planet of of just everything and and culture is in there my latin roots are in there and my my new york city energy is in there too i was gonna ask uh, we always ask the guests if they were to run an art school for uh, any period of time what would it sort of look like would you have any sort of particular lessons or would you have any particular sort of causes or things that you wanted to really communicate to the students what i was taught was to be a well-rounded writer you gotta have you gotta have your throw up you gotta have your peace you gotta have your wild style your character you know, I didn't really work on characters. Oops. I just focused on lettering and stuff. But I would say those five elements, you know, get those going and practice, start cracking those outlines. When you say characters, do you mean like figures within the composition or do you mean the letters? Okay. Yeah, characters. I don't know another word for characters. <laughs> That's cool. But yeah, that would be the lesson, you know, just be like all in one, like a well-rounded writer if that's what you want to focus on. Do you have any advice for anyone that wants to start out and make work on the streets? Uh respect other people's stuff. That's important whether it's you're repasting over graffiti, that's definitely, you know, you respect other people's stuff and um just put yourself out there. Don't be afraid like you know, get up. There's no, there's no right or wrong way to do things. If you want to go the legal route or be legal or do both, you know, do be in the street and studio because a lot of, um, there are some purists out there, graffiti purists that believe, that still believe in like 2021 that graffiti doesn't belong in, in, on canvas and you can't make a career out of it. You know, there's out there but do it all you know explore the different realms there's sort of a little bit of a pantomime element though to when people do paint over each other i guess it needs to be a sort of mutual thing i'm thinking about banksy and uh team robbo yes because obviously robbo's dead now so there was that banksy that was put on to reading prison recently and then team robbo who represented robbo then painted over it and then banksy painted a, the typewriter that was painted over in another part of reading yeah so i guess in that sense collaboration i think I think yeah it was sort of adds to the fun accidental uh, collaboration yeah collaborate you know, that's what I love about graffiti and street art, that you can just go anywhere. You can, like, go anywhere in the world and connect with someone, despite of their language, their their whatever it is. All the Any differences are put a, put to the side with, you know, with, with art. Do, yeah, because you collaborate with a lot of brands, uh, but do you ever <laughs> collaborate with other street artists? Because I, I really like that sort of, when you sort of get a mashup of two styles. 
Yeah, I've painted with uh, with so many artists. I let me see what I can think of. I've painted with Fafi, Lady Aiko, Swoon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I like Swoon's work. Other graffiti writers as well. You know, where I traveled, I, I would paint with somebody from from local. So you say you describe yourself as a writer. Can I ask about that? As a you know, you say other graffiti writers and that sort of thing. I've I've never heard that expression before. Do you mind if I ask where it comes from, and if it's a New York thing or a graffiti thing or graffiti and a New York thing? Writers is is someone that gets up and does their name in the street. So I need to correct myself. Maybe I am not a writer, but I'm a graffiti artist. Yeah, it's interesting. All the different types of terminology. As um as the Sky Arts documentary of one of our previous guests, Goldie called Goldie the Art that made me, and he talks about being because he was obviously prominent in the start of the New York writing scene. Obviously, a lot of people know him for being a drum and drum and bass producer, but he he really talks about how that that sort of an, an artist like Ben Ein in London, who were tagging and sort of writing their tags, but then they realised it kept getting painted over. They kept, he kept getting arrested, and then he sort of made his font a little bit more public friendly or visually appealing and as a result he started making money and stopped going to prison or stopped getting arrested so yeah there's, there's that kind of interesting thing about like original graffiti writing tagging and then you've got this the emergence of street art and murals yeah so i classify myself as a graffiti artist not really a writer i guess i don't know I, I maybe i'm not the one i don't even know that question or answer i think it's nice to be sort of non not pigeonholed isn't it yeah that is one thing that I, you hit it right on, on the button, Matt. Um, I, I don't like to be categorized. That's an American thing to be put in, in categories and we got to label things. Oh, that drives me nuts. You know, I am who I am. You know, I love graffiti. I love art. I love photography. I love so many things. This is who I am. I'm Indian. That's dope. Goldie. So his mentor, he, one of his um, graph heroes, is a friend of mine, and he's one of my graph heroes, and that's TK170. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. TK170. Yeah. Is there any last things you wanted to say, Indy? Um, last thing I wanted to say, um, thanks to everybody who's been supporting my work, who showed me so much love and, and respect. I wish the world would be more at peace, you know? I don't know. Maybe delete. <laughs> no, it's nice. Last part, maybe delete the last part. And you've got, so if anyone's interested in purchasing some art, then your print release, I'm just like, it's definitely on your Instagram somewhere. It's on your website as well, I think. Don't worry, I'll send you the link. No, I just want to, I'll, I'll record an outro later. I announced it on Instagram because I'm coming out with another print before that. That's why. So I, I'm, it's in the queue. Okay. Mm-hmm. Excellent. But yeah, yeah, should I do a plug? Like, check my art. Yeah, what are your what's your what's your what are your Instagram and Twitter handles? Yeah, my Instagram and Twitter is indie i n d i e one eight four all across the board. Excellent, cool. Yeah. And your website is indie184.com, which is very comprehensive in that it has the paintings, the collages, the murals, graffiti, different projects, photos, the comic book, and the NFT. Thanks for being with us. Excellent. Yeah, thank you so much. much. Thank you so much. I appreciate all this time and and holding space for me. And no, it's been a pleasure. And stuff, yeah, so. it's been. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your morning. All right, you too, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Episode 9 of Season 2 of Artcast. 
Today I was joined by our fashion student Inigo Farah and street artist Indy184 from her studio in New York. You can find out more about Indy's work at Indy184.com and follow her on Instagram to find out more about her forthcoming print releases, one of which includes a tantalising 20-colour screen print edition of 200. Really hope you can join us next episode with episode 10, where I'll be welcoming Chris Corkwell, who set up an artist-run space called Art Lacuna. He set this up with his fellow student peers back in 2012, and it's been evolving ever since with different members. We'll be discussing his practice and the journey he's been on with running this artist-led space. Capture the seasonal colours of nature over the course of a year, exploring natural dyes, how to grow your own dye plants, botanical prints and sustainable textiles. Delve into the fascinating history and learn about contemporary practice in this growing field of research and development. To learn more about this one-year course in natural dyeing and sustainable textiles, go to morleycollege.ac.uk and select Fashion, Millinery and Textiles under the Course tab.